here today. We want to worship God this morning in our services, so let's open up in prayer. Then I have a couple announcements. Ushers, if you will, go ahead and come forward as well, and uh, that way we can take the offering in a few moments. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for the worship services that we're going to be having here in a few moments. Thank you for allowing us to be here and to worship you and honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. A couple of announcements. Remember, this coming Saturday, we have the uh, revival starting off with a wild game dinner. Be sure to sign up with Shannon. Send her an RSVP in her email or um, you know, sign up on the back sheet. If we have the sign up out there, you can sign up out there. We do need help with some food and cleanup and some other things. Please look at the board, sign up for something, be involved, be a part of that. And then the revival services, the schedules are going to be Sunday morning for uh, worship and then Sunday night at 6 and then Monday and Tuesday at 6.30. So be here for that. You won't want to miss any part of it. 
Also, um, my wife has a sign-up sheet out there for anybody interested in the, it's at the Blue Gate, it's called Nor uh, Anthem Lights. It's a Christian group, and they're going to be performing at the Blue Gate. If you'd like to go to that, please sign up. We're trying to get interest in that to see who would like to go, and it's down again in Shipshawana at the Blue Gate. And then um, remember, sign-ups for that. Also, Gracie has a card out there. She wants to say thank you to everyone for all the help and support that you had helped her out with. Um, she is fully funded for her missions trip now. And so thank you guys for helping out and being a part of all that. You can give her, you can, you can give yourselves a hand. Thank you for that. And Gracie appreciates it. And then Ron, if you will go ahead and pray over our offering. And he had something he wanted to announce as well. The green light's on. Now it's on? Oh, okay, good. Um, uh, as you know, or many of you know, that Sandy and I served for, for a few years down in Mexico, uh, Rio Bravo Ministries. We are going to be taking a team down in uh, the very end of March. It'll actually be the, I forgot the day, 28th. 28th or 29th, we don't know which day. It'll be for about five, six days. So anyone that is interested in, in taking that trip with us, it is an incredible time. Great time with our kids, uh, great ministry there. So um, we would like to take somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 with us adults. Um, I don't know exactly what the cost is going to be at this point. Pastor Dave is, ch is checking on tickets for us, so we kind of need to nail down um, the amount of people that want to go with us. It is, as I said, a great opportunity if you want to get away for a short-term mission. We'll only be gone for five, possibly six days. We'll fly out either on Saturday or Sunday, whatever we can get the best flights for. We'll be returning home on Thursday, which I believe is the 2nd of April. Um, so it won't be a huge commitment, about a week, uh, a little less. Um, so if you, would, if, if you feel called to do short-term ministry, short, or I'm sorry, short-term missions, this is a great opportunity. I can tell you, you will be changed by what you see and what you experience um, and not to mention you give back to uh, a ministry that is, that is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, kids' lives are being changed. Uh, I don't remember the last time I was up here, probably the last time we did a missions trip. We took a group down and put in a massive sewer system for them. This time we do not have a project um, uh, specifically like that one, so we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing. It doesn't really matter. We'll go and do whatever needs to be done. Uh, they've required, acquired more property, so it may be clearing. We don't, we don't know at this point, but there's always work to be done. Uh, that I can attest to. So if you're interested in something like that, those will be the dates. I know we're, we're, we're getting a little bit short of time here, uh, so we need to pull this together as quickly as possible. We'd love to have you go with us. If you can make that short commitment, get with myself or Sandy. Uh, if you can't go and you would like to give to that mission, um, we'll, we'll have something set up for that, probably through Shannon, uh, that you can give right through the offering as we've done in the past. So pray about that, and especially if you think God's leading you to that, get with me or get with Sandy, and uh, we, we'd like to share more with you. So pray over the offering. Father God, we thank you for a beautiful sunny morning this morning, Lord. Uh, we thank you for a great week, uh, certainly in our family, Father. We've seen some miracles this week and um, your hand moving. So, God, we want to give you praise and thanks for that. We ask you, Father, to bless this offering. 
Lord, and take these that we give to you to use to the best, and we know you will. And, Father, especially that uh, your kingdom will be advanced because of them. So we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, your love. Um, 
so much in that beautiful song to um, reflect on, but talking about um, offering our whole hearts to Jesus. And offering our hearts to someone can be scary. Um, we aren't sure what they're going to do with it. How incredible to be reminded this morning that when we offer our whole hearts, our whole selves, our whole everything to Jesus, he is utterly trustworthy with that. There can be, we can have no fear, and it's not misplaced confidence. It is confidence that is placed in exactly the right person. Jesus, our Savior, our fixed point, our lighthouse in storms. Will you stand? Let's continue in worship together.
mysteries from the darkness and brings deep darkness into light. I have come as light into the world, and he who believes in me shall not remain in darkness. Job 20, 12, 22, and John 12, 46.
Thank you. I thought we were going to show a promo video of the, of the um, revival guy coming, Jamie, but uh, they must not have it ready. That's okay. You got it ready? All right. Go ahead and show that, and then I'll come back up. Just a moment. Everything can change. It's like the forgiveness of sin. Pastor was talking about that as we sang the worship set this morning, which, by the way, worship was just wonderful. Forgiveness of sin can be had by everyone, but it does not alleviate us from the consequences of our choices. Hey, folks, you, again, if you're taking notes, write this down. <laughs> the way of the transgressor is hard. When God says the way of the transgressor is hard, it's hard. You can't live your life independent of God and wonder why you're not enjoying the blessings of God. It's like, folks, people say, well, that's up for discussion. No, there's some things that are not up for discussion. Jesus was born of a virgin. Not up for discussion. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sin. Not some, all. Give and it shall be given. Listen, there's only one reason in your life that you're not getting. Only one reason. You're not giving. It's tragic, but it's true. This man told me, he says, you know, you guys, you preachers talk about money all the time. First of all, that's a lie. That's not true. Jesus talked a lot about money because Jesus said what you do with your money says a lot about what's going on right here. But, but listen, if every person just did what they ought to do, we could feed a lot of people, couldn't we? We could help a lot of people, couldn't we? We could send a lot of missionaries to the foreign field. One of the things I've encouraged our church to do is, if you come to church, I said, look, look at people's feet, look at their shoes, and find somebody that don't have good shoes. And find out what size they are. And get them a pair of shoes. And don't tell them you did it. That's the best way to give. That is Jamie Regal. Let me, is that turned off? I kind of in my way. Can I just set that there? 
there. I hate looking at something that is as tall as me sometimes. <laughs> and that was staring me right in the face. I mean, if I had a smiley face on it, that'd be kind of crazy and wicked, but um, yes. And so as we look at Colossians, we, we see, um, I'm going to read the verses here in a minute. And it's an it's a, it's a interesting subject because Paul not only goes from talking about the husband and wife relationship, he goes to talk about the parent-child relationship. Now he's going to go into another family relationship, which is the slave and the master, which I'm going to get into because I need to get into the context of everything when we talk about this. But how many of you guys have ever worked a job? What was your least favorite job that you ever had? If I were to ask, what's your least favorite job? I can tell you what I think mine is. And, and one of the reasons is not because of the hard work that was involved. It was because of, of my sinuses. One of my worst jobs I've ever had, or least favorite jobs I ever had, was lawn care work. I worked for a friend of mine, and... Um, he, um, you, you know, the pay wasn't all that great, and the work was hard, the work was long, the work was every day, but at the end of the day, you know, when you have sinus problems and you're allergic to grass, and you're allergic to all the stuff that you're working in, it does not make for a good day, it does not make for a good job and a good career choice. What it makes for is a wet shirt at the end of the day from all the, the sinus problems you're having. And so for me, that was one of the least favorite jobs I have ever had. But we all, most of us have jobs and we work. And in the context of our jobs that we work, we need to see Christ in all that. And I have a short video I want you guys to see real quick that helps put this in perspective. And that truth is powerful, and that truth is actually in our scriptures. So let me see the first two verses, uh, the first two slides. Go back, because I want to read the whole thing in context, and then we're going to pray, and then I want to explain to the context. It says, slaves, obey your masters. This is verse 22 of chapter 3. Obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people, pleasers, but work wholeheartedly Fearing the Lord, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you'll receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ, and for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that we have here this morning from the Apostle Paul teaching us about work and about proper, um, proper viewship of work. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As, as I look at this text, I see this text and I see that when I think about Jesus Christ and I put him in the middle of my life, I see that this text shows ultimately that Jesus Christ is my boss. That Jesus Christ is my boss, not the job that I go to. I mean, 
what, on a level, some of us, we, we think that because we go to work, we, we get paid, that, you, you know, we, we have this um, right to, to work and try to separate it from our normal day of life. But in reality, our work is a part of our worship. And I'm going to get into that. I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about that as we go on. I mean, you know, when we think about work and our economic system and everything, Martin Luther said this. He said that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we should remember how God normally provides bread for us. It's through the farmers, the transporters, and the retailers. It's not like bread just shows up. It's not like Krispy Kreme is dropping donuts on our front doors every day. Now, some of you might wish that. Some of you are probably thinking, I could use a Krispy Kreme right now, and I would agree with you. But that doesn't happen. And so when we pray, Lord, for our daily bread, Martin Luther is saying, we need to remember everything that goes into it, not just that we have it. And so how it's done is through work. And there really is no separation between our work and the secular world. Now, coming into this passage in the context here, though, we don't see workers. We see the Bible say slaves. Or some passages say bond servants. And so what I want to do for the next few moments is show you slavery in the Roman era. So about, it could be numbered up to 10 million slaves. It could, you could throw that number out there, 10 million slaves. About half the people you would see on the street in the Roman Empire were slaves. When you would live in that day and age, most of the people you saw were slaves. So Paul is not just addressing some normal, uh, some small group here. He is addressing about half the population of Rome, the empire. And the church would have been filled with people that were slaves. And, and so, so the slaves were a very intricate part of it. But they weren't like the slaves like back during the Civil War era that we had. The slaves that were, that was racist and, you know, you had one, you know, basically one group of of ethnic group working. There were some, you know, Irish in there too, but, you know, it wasn't just that. Everybody in the Roman Empire of every class, except for the highest in society, could have been a slave. Teachers, educators, businessmen, they all at some point would have been slaves or could have been a slave. And so what happened is people to become a slave were either sold as children into a family. They were poor, wanted to get out of debt, sold themselves to become a slave to a master, and some of them from war. When Rome would come and conquer, they would become a slave from the battle. Now, every slave by the age, every slave by the age of 30 would most likely have been removed from slavery and had a free life. You could purchase your freedom that was an option if you paid back what you owed through your time of service. So it was, nothing, it was nothing to see a teacher in the home of a family teaching. It was nothing to go into a shop and see a slave running the business. A lot of times, in some cases, slaves were even more educated than their, than their masters. It was an intricate, intricate part of their society. Doesn't make it right, but that's how that society was ran. And Paul, writing this, seeing the family unit, sees these people as part of the family unit. 
and he addresses them as such. And he comes in, and I think when we look at Paul in his writing, and he doesn't come out and specifically say, slavery's wrong, it's bad, stop doing it. Because he knows that the church makes up a very small portion of the Roman Empire. And for them to try to go on a rebel against what's going on is not the best way to try to get rid of it. But what he does do is he undermines slavery. He does undermine it with some, some things. He tells us that uh, in different passages, Paul tells us to imitate God, Ephesians 5.1. And, and, and who's God? The psalmist says, God is the father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. And he's a God of the just and compassionate. So what kind of God would hold a slave? He wouldn't. Paul also says in other passages that human trafficking is a vile sin. First chapter of Timothy 1.10, he calls it very vile to be a slave trafficker. So he's opposed to the idea of slavery, but he's undermining it through his words to the church and trying to show them in the context that slavery is wrong and how to be free from it. And Paul also undermines slavery by teaching equality among groups. And he does it throughout all of his writings. He talks about there are no people unequal in Christ. There's men and women. There's no, there's no Greek or Jew. There's no free or slave. But all are under Jesus Christ. And he also does it further when he tells the Corinthians, if you can purchase your freedom in 721, to do it, because it will benefit you. And so Paul wasn't for slavery. You never see him actually attack it here, but he was totally against it. And even in verse 1 of chapter 4, he does undermine it, and we'll see that. But what he is trying to do, what he is saying, is that slaves, while you're working for these people, and you can take it as an application for work. While you're working for the, the people that you're with, you need to view it as a Christ-centered relationship. That, that Christ is in all that you're doing. And to work as Christ. As a matter of fact, in four of the verses, he mentions five times Jesus Christ. In verse 22, he says, fearing the Lord. In verse 23, he says, done for the Lord. Verses 24, he says, from the Lord, serve the Lord Christ. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, master in heaven. So the command is clear to the live all of life for Christ. And that means even in your everyday work. Slaves, in your everyday work. Masters, your everyday work. Us, people that are free to work any job we want, free to do whatever we want, live as if Christ is living in your work. That's the command. And so what does he do? What does he do to the slaves? What does he tell them? In verses 3, 22 to 25, let me see those verses. I believe I have 22 up here first. So he says, Go back one. Verses 22, he says, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. He says, glorify Christ by working wholeheartedly. Glorify Christ by working wholeheartedly for your master. What about work? 
When you go, some, now some of you are retired, your work is your home now. And you can still glorify Christ at home, even though you don't have a boss except for your wife. Some of you. And some of you are thinking, didn't you just preach a message about two weeks ago on that? So when you go into work, I want you to remember that you work wholeheartedly every day because you are not working for that person above you. You are working for Jesus Christ. You are working as if he is your boss because he is. Because the Bible tells us that what? Jesus Christ owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He owns everything. He's in everything. Every square inch of this earth is Jesus Christ. And while you might not like the situation you're in, you might not like the job you're doing, you might not like the boss that you have, Jesus Christ says, you're not working for them. You work for me. Some of you might be thinking, but I own my own business. You're still working for Jesus Christ. You're still working for him because it's all his. And when we have that mindset, he says to work wholeheartedly. Don't work like you have this boss at work that you don't like. Shannon. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. He says to work your whole heart out. Give it everything you have. And, and, and back in that day, He's telling the, the slave, work for your master. Work your heart out for him. And I'm saying, work your whole heart out for whatever job you're doing. If you don't like your job, find another one. If you say, but I'm not going to get paid more for doing something else. Well, learn to like the job you're in, put up with it, or figure out what you really love doing and go do that because eventually you'll make more money doing that because you're passionate about it. But whatever you do, throw yourself into it and work wholeheartedly in it because of Jesus Christ. Because when he is your boss, when he is your life, when he is the one above you reigning and ruling in your job, you work better. You work for him because you're an example at work to other people. Because the life you live at work should not be separated from the life you live here. On Sunday mornings. You work hard here. You work hard at work. You work diligently at work. You want your boss to notice that you work hard. But you also have another reason for work. And that is Jesus Christ. Not only does he say to work wholeheartedly. He tells the slaves in verses 23 and 24. Let me see this. He says whatever you do. Do it from the Lord as something done for the Lord, not for people knowing that you'll receive a reward for, of an inheritance from the Lord. You're, you're working wholeheartedly, but you're also working willingly. You know, he says, don't work only while somebody's watching you. Now, the concept is when nobody's watching, you take your five-minute lunch break. You take your five-minute break at work. You know, I worked at a job one time, and there was this guy. He was always taking breaks. Almost every hour, he was taking off about five to ten minutes. And in, in the job we were in, 
Nobody's going to regulate it. Nobody's going to pay attention to it. Nobody's going to do anything about it. So he gets an extra hour almost every day of work paid for that he's not working. And, and, and the Bible is very clear to not do that. If you're being paid to do something, don't just do a good job when somebody's in front of you, watching you, so they can praise you for what you're doing. You do a good job when nobody else is looking. You work hard and you do a good job no matter what. Because Jesus Christ is always watching you. If he is the real boss, if he's the one you're really working for, and he's the boss you really have, you don't just work hard wholeheartedly, full-blown into it. You also work all the time. You work willingly. You just don't work when somebody else is watching you. And the third thing he says to the slaves, he says, glorify Christ by working expectantly. In 24b and 25, we see this. He says, you serve the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. There is no favoritism. So the worker was to work because he's going to be paid back by Jesus Christ. The, 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 the bad owner, the bad master, the bad boss, he's going to get his, but it's going to be by Jesus Christ. And because Jesus Christ is fair and has no favoritism, you work knowing that you have a reward with Jesus Christ. You might not get an earthly reward right here. You might not get more money in your paycheck this week or next week. You might not have the greatest boss come in to your life in the next few months. But he says, work hard because Christ is watching all. He's in all. And eventually, all the wrong that's been done to you for all the work you're doing is going to be paid back. And all the good work that you do, I'm watching you. I'm going to reward you for it. If there's no other reason to work hard at a job and to work good at a job that you really don't want to work at, and you're in a position where you need that job, it is the fact that Jesus Christ is in that job with you, that he is there for you, that he is providing for you, and he has given you the ability to have that job, and that he is using that job for not just your impact today, but for the impact of the person you're sitting with, for the impact of the person you're working for for the impact of his kingdom. And, and, and so you work wholeheartedly, you work willingly, and you work expectantly that Jesus Christ is a rewarder of those who seek him, and that Jesus Christ, because he has no favoritism, will pay back the wrong and provide for you where you need it. Jesus Christ will provide for you. That's the concept. And so he just doesn't stop there, but in verses 25b and 4.1, he has a word for the masters too. And he says this, he says, masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you have known that you too have a master in heaven. In Colossians, we see, we see three things here. It says, practice mutuality, treat people fairly and justly. If you are a boss, if you own a company and you have people working for you, you treat people fairly. You treat them justly, you treat them fairly. He is telling the masters to treat your slaves fairly and justly in life. To view them as yourself. To view them as your children. To view them as somebody in your family, because that's who he's talking to. Treat them fairly and justly. 
If you are a boss, treat people fairly. Treat people justly. And he says, to live with Christ-centered accountability. Because masters, you too have a master. If you're a boss and you employ people, or you're over a division in your company, remember that you also have a boss. And it's called Jesus Christ. He's called Jesus Christ. And you need to treat people at work the way Jesus Christ would have treated people. You need to love people at work the way Jesus Christ would love people. You need to have relationships with people at work the way Jesus Christ would have a relationship with you because he is the master. And, 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 and you are uh, working for him. And remember in 25, that last verse, he said there's no impartiality. There, there's nobody that's above one another. So don't treat them unfairly. Don't treat them unjustly. Treat them all fairly. So those are some principles for us as we think about this. So as we look at this passage and we go through it, we think about how we can actually take it in. It really should change the way we work. When we think about the way the slaves and the master relationship were at work and what Christ was saying, it should change and revolutionize the way we work. It should revolutionize it. Employees, we should work with, through Christ, like Christ, and for Christ. We should work through Christ, like Christ, and for Christ. How many of you guys do that every day? You work through Christ. Man, some of you are thinking, man, I need Jesus to get me through this job today. I know some of you are thinking that. You do. Mrs. Morgan's shaking her head. Yes, she does. She has a bunch of little kids she has to put up with all day. And I have a couple over there that she has to deal with. And I know what it's like for her. But in her job, she needs to let, to work through Jesus Christ. Her job is a place for her to allow Jesus Christ to work through her. There's a lot of little kids that need Jesus Christ. And as I let Jesus Christ work through me, or as you let Jesus Christ work through you at work, he is going to, to work in people's lives. He's going to use you in that mission of bringing people to him through your work. And then we work like Christ. I talked to you about that a little bit ago. But how did Jesus Christ work? When Jesus Christ was on this earth, how did Jesus Christ work? What was his job? What did... He was a teacher. What, what did he do for 30 years? Well, almost 30 years before he became a teacher. Carpenter. Carpenter. All right. Do carpenters work hard? Yes. And back in that day, it was no different. He worked hard every day. And, and Jerry's laughing. He must know some carpenters. Carpenters work hard. They, 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 if they have to, to, I mean, back in Jesus's day, he would have to work hard to provide food and, and money for the family and everything else. Joseph was dead. And so the responsibility would have been put on Jesus's shoulders to help take care of the family. And so he worked as a carpenter working as Joseph in his trade, and he would work hard every single day. I mean, he, he was not this lily, uh, sissy looking guy that you would see that they've 
portrayed him to be. He would have been rough. He would have been manly looking. He would have had hands that her withered away from all the ca- with calluses on it. He worked hard. His body would have been a reflection of that hard work. And, and just like Jesus Christ, if he worked hard, shouldn't we? Should we work hard? Yes, we should. If we want to reflect Jesus Christ in our everyday of work, we should work hard. So we work through Christ, we work like Christ, and we work for Christ. Because he's the reason why we're here. Work in your job for Jesus Christ. Employers, lead through Christ, lead like Christ, lead for Christ. Lead through Christ. Lead your people the way Jesus Christ led people. When you think about how he led the disciples, he looked out for them, he loved them, he wanted them to become better than him. If you are an employer with an employee, you should look at that employee and think, one day I would love for them if they want to, to be able to own their own business like I have. To be able to do what I'm doing. Or to be able to do something greater than what they're currently doing right now. If you don't have that mindset as an employer or a boss, then you need to get that mindset. You need to look at your employees and think, I want them to be better off than me. I want them to be better at it than me. And that's what Jesus Christ said. He said, when I leave to his disciples, you're going to do a whole lot more than I ever could. A whole lot more than I ever did. So when you, if you are a boss or an employer at work, you need to have the mindset, I want these people that are working under me to do a better job than I'm doing, to be better than me and to have a better life than me at some point. So lead through Christ, lead like Christ and lead for Christ. Lead your employees into knowing who Jesus Christ is because you too have a master that you're going to be held accountable to, and that's God. If you, own, if you own your own business, you have a master. It's not called the IRS. It's not called the federal government. It's not called Michigan State Tax Office. It's called Jesus Christ. Your business is owned by Jesus Christ. So live like it, Work like it, run it like Jesus Christ owns it. It also should change the way we relate to people because we shouldn't look at people anymore as lower on the economic scale or subservient to what I do for a living. Paul makes it clear we're all evil, e- equal, not evil, we're all evil, but we're, we're all equal. We're all equal in Jesus Christ. And we should remember that. It's not just that we should relate to people that way because he he says it, but because that's the right thing to do and because Jesus Christ is reflected in it when we do it. It also should change and evaluate what is important in life. This passage should change the way you think about what's important. That paycheck you get every week should not be as important anymore, but it is the source of that paycheck, which is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ for which you work. And so the source of what you have, 
And the, the, the impact of what you're receiving is from Jesus Christ. And so it should change the way we look at and evaluate what is important to us. And I think we can do that when we read through that passage and see that this slave relationship with the master was really more about a relationship with Jesus Christ that these two people were having and how they're going to fulfill that relationship with Jesus Christ in their everyday life, either working for somebody or overseeing somebody. In either case, it is about Jesus Christ. And it is about how I treat people and how I work and how I live my life. Because just like the video says, your work is worship. The work you do every day in your life, day in and day out, is a form of worship to Jesus Christ. Everything you do, school, high school. How many of you are in high school? Raise your hands. How many of you are in junior high? Raise your hands. We have one in junior high. School is work for you. Your teachers are your bosses. You need to reflect what I just said at work, at school. You need to be a great student at school, not because your parents tell you so, but even though that is a good reason, but because it reflects Jesus Christ. Your attitude and work at your school is a total reflection of who Jesus Christ is. And so just as saying, as the principles I gave for workers and bosses, it goes for you too. You reflect Jesus Christ in, in your school today, tomorrow, every day. And if you're a teacher, same thing goes for you. Those students are your employees. You treat them the way Paul says to treat the slaves, fairly and justly knowing that you're going to be paid back for how you treat them. Mrs. Morgan, there you go. Sorry, no, she does a good job. As a matter of fact, she is a great, great asset to that school. She gives out hugs. And these kids need hugs. They need somebody to love on them. They need people to impact their life. And I'm glad we have somebody like Mrs. Morgan there that is in the school system that does make an impact on these children's lives, that loves them. And that cares for them. So as you go out tomorrow, I want you to think about your work as worship, no matter what it is you do. You could be a farmer. You could be selling insurance. You could teach. But your work and everything you do is worship to Jesus Christ. And how you live your life today should be the same way you're living it tomorrow. And the work that you do there should be hard work, should be uh, nonstop work, and it should be glorifying to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how you tell us how we should live every day of our life, not just on Sunday, but every day, and how it should be a reflection of you, the work that we do every single day. We thank you, Father, that while you're addressing slaves in this passage, that we no longer have slavery in this country and in most of the countries that, that are in, the, in this world. 
And then, Father, you valued people fairly and justly. And we thank you for that. We ask that you just be with us right now, that, that people will be motivated to work better tomorrow, knowing that you're their boss. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing. for a moment. Shane, if you want, go ahead and make your announcement, and then Jerry's got an announcement he's going to make. Good morning. How are you guys doing? A couple things that I wanted to uh, talk about today. Um, first thing, uh, everyone that's involved in the youth, I just wanted to come up here and say thank you. There's a lot of you guys out there that are pulling strings behind the scenes and doing a lot for our youth. Our youth is, leaders are amazing, so thank you. Everyone that has done anything, thank you. You guys know who you are. 
Second thing, uh, a week ago, yesterday, Saturday, um, the 25th, we did a CPR class here, and a lot of you guys were involved. We actually had some youth members involved in that too, and oh my gosh, guys, that is such a passion for me. With my job, a firefighter, I've done CPR over 200 times, and it changes lives. It saves people. So youth, everyone that was there for that, thank you. If you guys were a leader there, participated in that, that's awesome. Everyone needs to go through CPR. It's fantastic. Finally, uh, youth is a little bit changed tonight. We're celebrating, or I'm sorry, we're rooting for the Chiefs, not the 49ers. Youth group is all rooting for the Chiefs tonight <laughs> at the McMaster. So we're really looking forward to that. Drop off your kids between 5.30 and 6 o'clock. Parents, you're welcome to stay if you'd like. Uh, the church bus will be running. I will be at Vicksburg High School picking up some Vicksburg students too. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. Um, one of the things that we do um, a couple of weeks after our board meetings is to give some board minutes. And I will be very brief since I don't uh, need to repeat everything that's been done. And a copy of these minutes will be on the board, even though they're not right this minute. Um, we're just as a postscript um, the word for slave, the Greek word is doulos, which also means servant. So in a lot of the situations when you're reading the biblical text and you read slave, you can read servant there. And it particularly applies in our culture when we're, recall, when we're called to be servants of each other and servants to the Lord as we do that. But we also have servants that we work for each other here and in the church context and in the different ministry capacities that we need. Uh, one of my <laughs> friends um, who says that what her, her job is is to give them beauty and to tell God's story. That's her work. Those are the kinds of things that she's engaged in. And whether your skill and whether your job is carpentry or music or something else, that is the kind of attitude, I think, that epitomizes what the scripture tells us. But in terms of physical construction around here, uh, you can see what's going on with the youth building and the, the youth addition. Um, we're concerned about uh, the layout, and there's a lot of internal design questions on how just to do that in a way that's helpful and beneficial. That's being worked through, despite the fact that it's not, it doesn't necessarily look like anything's happening. And we're still working and thinking through uh, the library bathrooms, and we will be addressing that eventually here, along with a handicap lift. Um, also, um, uh, there's a new computer for Pastor Damon and a new TV for the youth, and the safety team has placed weapons-free zone on all the entrances. Um, I won't describe that further, but they are a safety team, not a security team. So they, are, they don't have the liability that comes with being a security team. Um, the other more ministry kinds of things, uh, we're really thankful for visitors who come and for those of you in whatever capacity you serve. Thank you for what you do and for the different things that you use to advance the kingdom and serve us as a, as a group and serve the Lord. Uh, directly as well. Um, when you have opportunity and as you, as you have opportunity, uh, please make yourselves available in other ways for other ministry needs that we have. Um, but um, that's approximately the, the, the uh, summary of the board minutes. Um, let's stand uh, and receive the benediction. Father, thank you that you call us all to your service and to be your uh, faithful servants. 
and we ask that you would help us and empower us both to um, tell your story while even we speak of the beauty through what we do. Um, bless us this Sunday and this um, day, as well as all days, as we worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.